Helo a chroeso i bodlediad yr Academy Genedlaethol ar gyfer arweinyddiaeth a ddysgol yng Nghymru. Podlediad sy'n rhannu materion ac arferion arweinyddiaeth allweddol ar draws y sector addysg yma yng Nghymru ac yn rhyngwladol. Hello and welcome to the podcast from the National Academy for Educational Leadership in Wales. A podcast that shares key leadership issues and practices across the education sector here in Wales and internationally. Hello and welcome to the latest in the Leadership Academy series of podcasts. Uh, in today's episode, we are delighted to be joined by Professor Mick Waters and we're going to be discussing the leadership standards. So if we, if the participants would like to maybe go around and introduce themselves and a bit about their backgrounds as to, to why we're here this morning. Hi everyone, I'm Fran Jordan. I'm very proud that I get to work for the Federation of Benham Road Community in Coydewood Primary School and I lead on professional learning across the Federation. Um, hi, good morning. I'm Kerry Halley and I'm the Deputy Head Teacher at Oscoacrabaya in Wrexham. And I'm Mick Waters. Uh, I think I've been invited to join the podcast because I was uh, instrumental in developing the professional standards some years ago, working with teachers and head teachers and others across Wales. And just to introduce myself, I'm Paul Keane. I'm the executive head teacher of the Federation of Blenheim Road Community and Coydiva Primary Schools and an associate of the Leadership Academy here in Wales. Shall we start by just talking about the uh, the way the, the professional standards are being used in schools and the the effect you think they're having? Uh, Kerry, should we, should we start with you? Um, so in our school, we use the standards by when we're doing performance management, the, the way we raise awareness with staff is Rebecca and I pinpoint, so Rebecca's the head teacher, sorry, um, we pinpoint which standard we would like to focus on for the year. Um, and then having done that, we generate that focus through looking at our STP and what we're concentrating in, on in the school as a whole. Having pinpointed that, we make sure we look at staff at all levels right the way through the schools. So whether that's me as deputy head teacher using the leadership standards or using them with members of staff at different points in their career and their performance management targets are driven by the thing that we've chosen to focus on. What we have found is that although we pinpoint one thing that we're intending to focus on as the year goes on, everything's so intrinsically linked that there's a knock-on with all of the other standards as well, so they can't be used just in isolation. By doing one thing, it impacts upon all of the other standards as well. So, so really, the standards are sort of integrated into other aspects of the school development, uh, linking the school development plan with individual aspiration, with the, the, the performance management regime, as you might call it, and make sure everything dovetails together. That's right, yes. So we start looking at what we want to develop for the school as a whole and what's going to have the greatest impact on the school as a whole, what things we're going to be concentrating on and then work from there to see, well, how can that be fed into all of the different areas and different members of staff within the school? And is that the same in your school, Paul? 
Oh, yeah, just to kind of echo what, what, what Kerry's been saying, but to kind of take it even back a step further. I mean, like I think from when these standards were devised a couple of years ago, there was this idea that they wouldn't be a kind of a, you know, a checklist, that kind of thing to kind of manage people against. So we tried to take it sort of even further back to think about what, what do we want from the standards and how can they support and underpin, a bit like Kerry was describing, the, the day-to-day life of our school, the rhythm of, of everything that, that, that works. So the way we've gone about that, I suppose, is by putting them into the, the performance management cycle, but kind of really reshaping and rewording that cycle. So it's not known as management. Um, it's, you know, we, we're calling it valuing important performance. I'm sure Fran would like to come in a minute to talk about that. She's devised a system very much based around that, how we actually value the performance of our staff and get them to kind of take and transpose those standards into their day-to-day teaching and learning and what they do, um, which has been good. There's a few other ways we've gone about it too, which we may um, kind of touch on later on in in the podcast around how we empower others in school and that idea about delegation and the kind of standards looking at that and a couple of projects that we're running. But certainly I think, you know, in terms of our valuing important performance, it's about getting teachers to really actively engage with the standards themselves, to really interrogate them and to make them a part of their their day-to-day kind of practice. And mm. kind of yeah, it's interesting. So Mick, we use a lot of your work around assessment about how executive assessment is really important. So for us, we've gone slightly opposite to Kerry, how Kerry, you focus on one standard and obviously that then dovetails across to a various other standards. So we opened it up. So all of our um, practitioners every half term, we reflect upon the standards and it's broken down. They then look at what they feel are their particular strengths and their areas for development. And then every year group has a different leader who supports them. But as Paul just talked about, I think previously they've been renowned as accountability measures. They've been used as like a tick box exercise. Um, especially when it was you know, performance management in a different time. So we use it from a coaching and mentoring point of view. So it scaffolds our conversation and it's about having that common and shared language. So we have our standards to support us as practitioners, to support us as leaders, but we all have the same document that we can continuously refer back to. And it's open for everyone, you know, teaching assistants, teachers, leaders. We all have that one vital document. You know, Paul and I were just talking about how, There's so many books written about leadership. There's so much research, so much, you know, theory, et cetera, behind it. Whereas with this one document, it means we have the same document that spans across Wales. But it's really fascinating, even just in this conversation, how Kerry used it quite differently to how we might use it. You're right. There must be hundreds, thousands of interpretations of it kind of thing, you know, particularly the standards and how how they're applied. And, you know, we're not thinking we've got it right, but it certainly works for our context, you know, our federation. 80 members of staff, lots of different people, with lots of passions, lots of ideas, and sort of, again, getting them to interrogate to really kind of get stuck into standards and think about how they, they lead themselves and how they develop themselves, which I think makes the standards really relevant. And that's the beauty, I think, of these standards, that idea into kind of teachers, into formal leadership roles. We've even started to branch it out into to teaching assistants. I know they have their own kind of sets of professional standards and things they work to, but just trying to identify that and really letting a lot of voices, a lot of ideas kind of come to the fore, but still very much tied to our school development priorities and our on our plans and, and those kind of impossible dreams that we're trying to achieve as a, as a federation of schools. I think this is really interesting. Um, when, the, when the new standards were developed, uh, which was five or six years ago now, so they're not new anymore, but when the professional standards were emerging, the challenge for the people in the working groups was to try and help them move from the old regime, which was very much checking whether people were doing the job they were supposed to be doing and either you know, telling them they were or telling them they weren't, uh, very much um, performance management and trying to move from that into a, a notion of professional development for teachers and leaders that would enable their school and the nation to do well as a result of the, the work they were doing. And 
our, our challenge at a, a lot of the time was, in a sense, we were doing it too early, we thought. This work was part of the new reform agenda. And uh, the government had decided if the new curriculum was to work, then we needed the best teachers to be able to do it. And one way was to look at initial training and initial teacher education. So John Furlong had done a report on that and recommended changes. And at the same time, uh, the minister at the time said, what we need is to enable our teachers to be the best by re-looking at the standards. And of course, the very word standard implies that teachers have to come up to the mark when actually what the working groups wanted was for the, te the standards to be the teacher's standards, the leader's standards, their own standards yeah. that they embrace for themselves, which would mean they would be interpreted differently in different places and by different individuals. And it seems to me that even in the three examples we've heard, they are being taken differently in those. Uh, but some people find them difficult to interpret because we're sort of moving from one, one age to another. Have you found challenges in what you've done? Have you found it uh, difficult to move forward? I mean, Paul, do you? We spent a lot of time deliberating, mulling. I mean, that was one of the beauties of kind of the lockdowns and things that we had. We had a bit of kind of time away from, you know, sort of the day-to-day -day kind of life. And as leadership team, we came together and thought, we tied it even into our school values and kind of virtues values, lots of discussion about what we're trying to achieve as an organisation. And so I think there was that kind of, um, that, that time we had to go through, that kind of difficult, tricky kind of time where we were slightly kind of stuck in them. But I think it's been about, as, as, as Fran to sort of transposing them and, and bringing them to life and, and finding a, a mechanism to bring them, as you said, into the day-to-day -day practice of teachers. So it is, they are their standards. They're something that they live with them and they get to have honest, good conversations, really good professional dialogues with us as a leadership team and a really varied leadership team around those standards. It's not about holding people to account or to a mark. It's about them kind of aspiring to be better individuals, better people, effectively better teachers, better, you know, and then onto being better leaders. So I think that first bit of kind of deliberation, that thinking and getting our own heads around it in the context of a pandemic, which is when we kind of really engaged with it, was 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 tricky, but it was good work. It was really good work. And I think it's, you know, it's starting to bear fruit now, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it depends on the culture mix of your own schools. If you come from a school with high accountability measures, you want to have it as that tick box. I've achieved everything as a teacher. I know I'm doing the best I can do. Whereas I hope over the last couple of years, we're shifting our culture to opening up honesty, vulnerability, and having, as Paul talked about, really honest and good professional conversations that if staff are finding something particularly difficult, they're open with us about it. And so that we can start to link up staff as we do with our coaching and mentoring cycle to support one another. Because, you know, think about Phil Jackson and his team, that the strength of the team is all members, isn't it? It's everyone pulling together. It's not just one teacher. You're only as strong as you as the team. I think that notion of honesty is a fascinating one because at the root of the developments at the very beginning was this notion of how do we encourage people to be honest about the challenge facing us in the reform agenda across the country. So if, if we all play a game and we sort of get the tick box and say, here are the standards, we can or cannot prove the standards by producing evidence to prove them, then in a sense, all the paperwork's correct, all the managerial aspects are good, but we're not helping the system to move forward in terms of the challenge facing Welsh education. If we, if we want the new regime, the new order, the new reform to be really successful for all our children and the four purposes to be met for all our children. So it, the, the challenges have to be overcome. I mean, what about challenging your school, Kerry? Have you, 
Have people found it difficult or easy or? I think that having the same focus um, across the school has been really beneficial. So once we've chosen what the focus is for the school, so this year, we wanted to make sure that we were concentrating on innovation throughout the school. So the standards have given direction to those professional conversations between colleagues when they've been when they've met with Rebecca or met with myself. Having the same focus throughout the school has then opened up conversation about where people feel with um, with that and enabled people that feel like they've got strength in that area to support and mentor people in other areas and people that aren't feeling quite as confident. So it's allowed us to really hone in, not entirely on innovation, because I said, as we do one thing, it's had a knock on effect on the others, but that we're all using a common language around innovation and that we can support each other. The common language thing is really a vital aspect of it. It's common language within your own community and gradually a common language across, across the country, in a sense. In terms of leadership and the, and the standards themselves are interesting aren't they? In, in the previous standards the ones that the government was trying to if you if you like say goodbye to uh, there were 55 standards and, and we've now got five standards but with 30 odd descriptors to help those standards uh, if you like become more more accessible for people of the five standards are any of those more sort of talked about than the others pedagogy more than they want to talk about leadership and innovation or leadership and collaboration? Do you, or do you find that the standards are sort of fairly broadly discussed? We've had a real kind of mixed approach to it, which is, which is good, which is absolutely how it should be. You know, I think um, teachers, some sort of narrow down, particularly maybe sometimes at the earlier kind of stages of their careers and thinking about the pedagogy, because they're obviously going to improve, they're thinking about what can they do to, to be better, looking for that kind of really, you know, sustained and highly effective practice. And again, that, that sort of sliding scale, I think, is, is really useful for, for people to be able to locate themselves on it. Um, but then, you know, we've got a real mixed bag of, of colleagues in terms of experience, in terms of their interests and their passions. And so I think the, the standards cater to that really well. Um, and they have been then, you know, moving those people have been more active looking into the, the different areas uh, and the different kind of the, the themes effectively within the standards. I mean, for us, you know, we, we kind of really see them as those activators, activators of our colleagues. And uh, there's a great book that, that came out a couple of years ago called Putting Staff First um, by John Thompson and, and Johnny Upby, which talks about, you know, it's about revitalizing our schools. But we just see our biggest resource, our biggest asset in trying to change the curriculum, the country, uh, the, the learning for children is obviously our, our staff, our teachers. And we've used you know, the standards in that way as activators to be able to get them to do it. And we, we've just left it really open-ended. So I'd say there's a, you know, there's been a nuanced response, Fran, I think, in terms of what we've had from staff. And um, we haven't had to encourage people to look in certain areas. I think they've been able to self-select quite accurately from where they want to be and to take it on. Yeah, I think maybe it depends on your role yourself. So we've adopted this course and learning organisation model as our senior leadership team. And so for myself, in regards to professional learning, leading on that, I tend to focus more towards heavily on the professional learning aspect. Um, at the moment, we've got a real focus on our staff training, our professional development sessions around pedagogy. So that has prompted a lot of conversations as Paul talked about um, our staff training sessions, you know, looking more in depth about what does pedagogy actually mean to us as practitioners. Um, so I think it depends on where you are, your own point of time, your own journey. 
uh, as opposed to how deep do you go in one aspect or do you take a, a wider field? Because it is vast. There is a lot, isn't there, to work towards as a practitioner, as a leader, and you can't achieve everything all at once. <laughs> too oh. true. Yeah. <laughs> as much as I'd love to. <laughs> I think I think given the size of the of the Welsh reform agenda at the minute and the amount of things going on, a lot of people think everything is changing all at once. And of course, in some ways it is, isn't it? Because what we want to do is change the outcomes for all children. And in order to do that, we've got to change so many aspects of the provision they're getting in order to make it work. But the five uh, standards eventually emerged from the working groups all those years ago did seem to point the direction that we needed to go in. It's interesting to think whether all five are, if you like, operating in tandem. There were were these lovely circular diagrams drawn at the beginning saying, you know, when you became a leader in a formal capacity, the expectation was that you were already a developed professional that would then sort of expand your capacity in those five areas as you went. How did, how did it come across in your in your setting, Kerry? Do you, do you think people tend to go towards one or the other or none at all? I think that's been the benefit of, um, of the way that we've organised the focus on something is that we have all started with the same starting point, but then it does branch, we can branch off Um, into other areas Um, I think naturally because of all the changes that are being made in school at the moment we have concentrated on pedagogy as well as innovation but then it's also lent itself to collaboration because of the necessity to work we've split into phases within our school as I know many many schools have now um, linked to the to the progression steps so The members of staff, rather than working in foundation phase and key stage two departments, are working within their their slightly smaller phases. Um, And that lends itself to collaboration. And also within that phase, there is a leader of learning who takes responsibility for the professional learning of the members of staff within their phase as well. So it's enabled us to encourage people at all levels throughout the school and to empower the middle leaders as well um, to look at the other leadership standards and to look where the need for development is or where there's areas that could be changed to have an impact within the school. I think that's despite the fact that we focused initially on one, that's been the thing we found time and time again is that by doing one thing, that there's been a positive impact on all of those other standards as well. This point about interconnection is really, really important. Uh, I've just been working with, uh, over the last month or so, some uh, secondary schools in Wales that are trying to rethink the curriculum in terms of the pedagogy they need, but also the way the school operates at a a macro level, things like timetabling, grouping of children, uh, the way in which they structure the learning experience. And they've worked in different ways, but recently the the schools have come together in small groups, the leadership teams, to talk about the things they're doing and sort of challenge each other. And it occurred to me in doing that work they're sort of embracing all five standards they're trying to think about pedagogy in macro and micro level the sort of overall and the and the close-up level 
linked to the curriculum, but that's taking them into professional learning and looking at research and seeing what other people have done to make that work. They're coming up with some fascinating, innovative solutions that are taking schools forward. And in working together on it, the collaboration uh, experiences are really extending. So what you're seeing then is the leadership standard being really exploited to try and make the curriculum for Wales become a reality for the children in schools. So what Kerry was saying about, it, it, although one, one of the standards might lead thinking, it's the way all the standards come together that, that, do make the, that does make the difference in the way we're going forwards. Are, are you seeing benefits in the school from the way that the leadership standards are being uh, used? We talked about how you're doing it. Are, are you seeing benefits? Yeah, I could definitely say from um, from my point of view as a deputy and my own professional development that they've had a positive impact on me personally because it gives me the direction when I'm working with members of staff at different levels throughout the school. Um, it gives me the information of what I need to be looking for in order to develop them, to support them in their development. Um, and also to guide them, as I said, we've appointed our middle leaders as leaders of learning. So it gives them the direction of what they're looking for in the members of staff that they're working with. When we've done uh, meetings with people right the way through the school, including our TAs, we know that there's a focus for what we're looking for in their skills as well. I think that notion of... Um... The professional standards being provided for leadership, for teaching and for assisting teaching is really important. And so the, the thing, the point you were making earlier about choosing a focus in school starts to have real coherence when you get all staff looking at the same, the same aspects and, and taking it forward. And that, that's a nice point to make. What about what about in your school, Paul? Yeah, similar to what Kerry was saying. I mean, and going back to what we said earlier about being the sounds being activators for our, for our colleagues, teachers, and teaching assistants. You know, um, one of the projects that we've been running this year is called the Spotlight Project, um, where we've actually had a kind of almost a Dragon's Den style kind of pitching session, where teachers, TAs can come in and pitch for a project that they feel really passionately about, that's really aligned to our school development plan priorities. And uh, it's for a TLR three or a salary uplift for the teaching assistance of a thousand pounds a year commensurate mm-hmm. to that. And it's really kind of that 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 standard around leadership uh, on delegation and empowering others is what's kind of really helped to focus our minds in creating it. Because what it's meant for us is then a real impact on the ground. We have a leadership team, a newly structured leadership team of just four people, but we have eighty colleagues, and like we know that we cannot possibly hope to reach all of our learners, all of our families, all of our community. On our own so by really kind of you know i think it goes back to that chairman Mao quote about letting a thousand flowers bloom and um, this idea of kind of having um colleagues empowered and doing things based on that that delegation and that empowerment through the standards has been good so we've got loads of different projects running now which again fran may want to elaborate on but lots of different things that really fit with our things from outdoor learning to farm to uh, lots of different things that we yeah, so, yeah i think it's possible well, i was talked about earlier it scaffolds our conversations a lot as leaders to think, how can we ensure our teachers are the best teachers for our children? So Paul just talked about one of our spotlight projects. We also have Federation Fridays. So our heads go back into the classroom, which means we release three of our um, classroom practitioners. And we go on a learning walk across our two schools. And so we can really focus upon pedagogy. What does pedagogy actually look like inside our own classroom? What does it look like from classroom to classroom across our different schools? 
Uh, we also have enrichment and inquiry sessions. So think about that innovation that Kerry was just talking about in regards to standards. It's really made us think, how can we be more innovative for our people? Um, how can we allow them to explore being innovative? So every Wednesday afternoon, we have a rolling program where teachers come out every Wednesday and they undertake their own inquiry um, projects, looking at a different maybe aspect of pedagogy, that professional itch. What, is, what do they want to explore even further? Um, regards to professional learning, we have coaching and mentoring that goes on throughout the school. We have a different focus. So we were um, we then taking the work with Simon Breakspear about the rapid action cycles and looking at something and doing something really well. So at the moment, all of our professional learning is around pedagogy and creating this blueprint for what does effective teaching and learning look like? And that might look completely different across our two schools. And that's OK, but we need to have these discussions that you know, come from those staff training sessions and being vulnerable with one another. One of the issues when we first developed the standards, the working groups were genuinely working on trying to think up the descriptors and we had lots of conversation about whether we're developing descriptors of pedagogy in particular that were appropriate at the time, which is now five or six years ago, or whether they should be more forward-looking, thinking about what the pedagogy might need to be when the new curriculum was developed because at the time the new curriculum hadn't come on to stream and at the time the working groups said particularly around pedagogy it might be appropriate in three years time to relook at the descriptors and look at the wording and think whether things needed to be moving forward uh, and that was actually accepted by the Welsh government as a principle that in three years time we'd look because for example there's much more focus now isn't there on well-being and uh, children well-being and teacher well-being, uh, adult well-being, than there was at that even five years ago. There are things that have come into the way we look at schools that are um, that weren't even sort of on the agenda when the standards were being written, rewritten uh, in in 2016-17. So this notion that they're there as a checklist needs to be challenged because really we're trying to help teachers grow and develop and leaders grow and develop and teaching assistants grow and develop within the climate that exists and that we're taking forward. So I love that notion of a professional itch. What's your sort of, what's your learning itch at the minute? What's your innovation itch? Where do we need some ointment or where do we, so we really push practice in schools forward. A lot of this, some people would say a lot of the descriptors are sort of just big words. They're sort of pie in the sky. There's loads of reference to uh, helping Welsh schooling to develop, helping the nation to be a more successful nation through the work its children do. Are they are they worth having as descriptors? Are they talking points that make a difference, or are they are they, as some people think, just sort of easy words but less relevance to the classroom? When a teacher or a teaching assistant's in the classroom, can they really be helped to think they're part of making a better future for Wales? I think massively, uh, Mick, and that's where it comes down to us as, you know, probably people maybe listening to this podcast via the academy as, as leaders and senior leaders in Wales, particularly. It all goes down to that vision that we set for our organisation, you know, and thinking about the four purposes, but, but more locally within your curriculum, that empowerment and that, that massive amount of responsibility that we've been given, the huge opportunities that go with that. 
we've got a real opportunity to set our visions, to reset our visions, you know, coming out of this pandemic, coming out of, as you say, a few years ago when these standards were drafted, things are different, but they give enough scope and flexibility to do that. And the visioning as a senior leader is, is I, I feel, almost the most important job. You know, people say sometimes, what's the one thing that you can do that no one else in an organisation or a team can do? And we've got to try and kind of focus on that on as, as senior leaders to really make sure that our visions are, are empowering, that they involve all of our stakeholders. And by stakeholders, I mean the teaching assistants, the TAs, as well as the pupils, as well as the families. But we really get kind of a tight and aspirational vision within our own learning organisation, within our own schools, to really make a difference over the next five to 10 years. It's, it's huge. And I think, you know, that would make it and it should make it relevant to the teaching assistant, to the dinner lady, the midday supervisor, any of these people who are there. The organisation should have that real kind of tempo and that real sense of aspiration within it. And these standards are, are really good for that. And that, that whole section on vision and the purpose of the organisation that comes in sort of the formal leadership area is really, really good. So, Kerry, do, do, do your people think they're, do you think you're working for Wales? I um I couldn't agree more with Paul really about the fact that the language does allow you to incorporate your own vision as a school into the standards rather than it being too directive. You can interpret that for yes, the wider wider vision for curriculum in Wales, but also for our vision, what are we trying to accomplish this year within our school or what's the strategic direction of the school? in coming years so yeah I think we would really we benefit from the fact that it is open-ended those descriptors the, the idea that the the old 55 standards the you know the, the previous group of standards if everybody do all 55 and we put it all together we'd have a brilliant system there's something in that but it wasn't working so the new notion was let's have five standards 30 odd descriptors and let's get people really trying to embrace it moving forward i mean we know there are some schools that are finding it really difficult to move from the old ones it's not not actually that they, they they're not finding the new standards pro, appropriate because they are they actually are nervous about using them and are still almost using the old ones they've substituted the descriptors for the standards and they're using the descriptors as a tick sheet or a, a sort of um, prove it mentality I mean, what would you say to any leader who's using that approach? How, how would you, Kerry, what would you say to a school that was still sort of nervous? We found having the conversation between our SLT beneficial and before we've done anything with them, we found it useful to sit down and discuss, well, what do we think that looks like in our school and how would we interpret that? What's our understanding of that as a senior leadership team? And that when we looked at our school development plan, what are our priorities? Well, which of these descriptors are going to help us to meet those priorities? Pauline, what would you say to people who were nervous about using the standard? It comes down to my, my particular gung-ho kind of attitude to these things. But I think I'm trying to root it back into standards, Mick, would be that the one around promoting teaching leadership, which talks about optimism, you know, optimism prevailing and reinforcing it with resolve. You know, we're still in this. We're still standing as leaders, as, as heads. We've come through a really tough couple of years, absolutely unprecedented. But it's kind of like the, the way is open ahead of us. We've got a really, you know, supportive um 
administration, I believe, in, in, in government at the moment, we have bodies now like the Academy that didn't exist four or five years ago, kind of to be able to support and to, to guide and to, to challenge us in certain ways. And I think we've just got to kind of re-dig re into those reserves of optimism to take those opportunities that we've got as leaders to really shape our children's and our young people's lives. You know, it's what we're all in this for. And we take it back to those first principles. We really get on with that. And we think about having that resolve just to kind of, you know, to back ourselves uh estin and inspectorates and things should be should be you know listening to to the profession and really kind of taking that on board and allowing us to exercise our professional judgment and that we just go uh, the next couple of years with a real sense of optimism and, and belief in what we can do and the change that we can make to children's lives well i think that's a good point to which to bring the conversation to a close really paul the the descriptor that begins optimism prevails is is probably the one that's most difficult to me to measure. If you were using a tick sheet mentality, it'd be hard to know. Yeah. Can you show me today that you're optimistic? <laughs> you know, you have to demonstrate it. But actually, if Wales is going to achieve what it wants for its children, and every school is going to meet its own ambitions for its children, then we do really need to focus on the way we approach leadership and optimism at the root of it will take us forward. It'll only take us so far because we need skill and we need our, our own sort of professional quality to come through. But the standards can drive us forward. And as you've just so eloquently said, they can be the, the, the catalyst for some really good developments across the country in schooling for children. So that brings our, our, our discussion, our conversation to, to a close today. Thank you all very much to, for listening to Professor Mick Waters, to Fran Jordan, to Kerry Halley and to myself, Paul Keane, in this latest in the series of Leadership Academy podcasts. Spotify, Apple We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Leadership Academy podcast. Subscribe on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts and never miss an episode.